Jay Mariotti here, and you are listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a special edition episode of the Friendly Confines. This week, we have our full uninterrupted interview with former Chicago Sun-Times and ESPN columnist Jay Mariotti. You know, back in the day, there was no one that was more of a must-read columnist than Jay Mariotti. Jay, of course, made you think. He probably made you uncomfortable. But at the same time, he made you want to read everything that he would print. Love him or hate him, Jay certainly was one of the most influential columnists when he worked in the Chicago market. Jay's been out of the Chicago market now for about 10 years. And Chad and I thought it was a great opportunity to catch up with Jay and talk about what he's been up to and what he's been doing. And of course, get his thoughts on what's been going on with the Chicago Cubs. So here is our full interview with Jay Mariotti in this special edition of the Friendly Confines. When I shared with with friends that uh, we were going to have you on, and, and Ryan hit it, there's those that have always loved you and always hated you, but always read you. And I think we've been cheated from hearing your take, especially since 2016, on the direction of this front office. And if you look at the Cubs front office and the moves they made in the last year, um, you know, getting rid of you, Darvish, looking to be some sort of salary dump, some of the other decisions they made or didn't make. What is your take on what they're doing as a number three market in America? Are are you disgusted by this? What would the column headline be if you were talking about this front office? Uh, once the Cubs, always the Cubs. Nothing ever changes back there. Even when they win, finally in 2016, my first thought after that championship was, okay, will this ownership in this front office be able to sustain this and, and carry on? as we saw the Red Sox did when Theo was there and so on. Well, it's not as if things flopped. They were still a successful organization year in, year out. Believe me, I lived through some of those Tribune company years. I mean, the, the Cubs had a drought for eight or nine years when I was there. It was hard to even you know go to the ballpark. It was that painful. But you say this for Ricketts for now, and, and I have my criticism, certainly, but what he did was produce the impossible, something I never would have thought as somebody sitting in that press box on Steve Bartman night, that they actually won a World Series. And and I don't think we can forget that. We have to have perspective that that was supposed to be the impossible dream in American sports. And it happened. Unfortunately, it unraveled in a hurry. And it's, and I'm, I'm sorry, I have to look back at Chris Bryant and that decision uh, involving service time, I, I think they probably should have thought about that a little more because it seemed to have a poisonous effect, I think, on everything, including Bryant, who uh, by now you would have thought would have won a couple of MVPs. Uh, instead, you know, they're running him out of town. And to me, that's that's the symbol. The, the way they treated Chris Bryant well, is, is the symbol of why things have fallen apart a little. And 
you know, Ricketts, uh, on one hand, he, he, you know, he, he cries poor. On the other hand, they're involved in other businesses. And you, you scratch your head and wonder, wait a minute, you've turned uh, Wrigleyville into this Buffalo Grove uh, looking uh, uh, you know, industrial park. <laughs> and, and, and yet you don't have the money to, to keep your star players. It's, it's sad. No franchise in Chicago uh, including the Cubs, should ever go through anything that resembles a rebuild. It's the third largest market, as you say. You can't get away with that here in L.A. You can't get away with that in New York. And yet when I was there, I was always critical of the White Sox for rebuilding. And now the Cubs are going to do it? No, no Cub fan should, should stand for it. Uh, and yet I think that's the direction they're going in, while ironically the White Sox uh, seem to be uh, pennant contenders. It is pretty remarkable how that has kind of flipped the script a little bit, Jay, uh, after all those years, as you mentioned. And and I'm curious how much you feel like the fans should be upset by how the Ricketts are handling themselves. And not only that, because of the investments that they made around Wrigley Field and have jacked up the ticket prices as much as they have. What's you know, what's the recourse at this point and how upset should fans be? about what the Cubs are doing, be it that they're so closely removed from a World Series and they're such a large market as well. They should be upset because it looks like a, a maybe not an out-and-out tank, but a semi-tank. That They're not going for it. And if you count, I didn't call them on this recently, if you count the number of teams in baseball, at least two-thirds are tanking it. I can count 10 teams that are serious about trying to win in October. I don't think the Cubs are there. I, I think they're kind of half-assing it. Forgive my French. They're half-assing it. And you should never half-ass it when you're a top five revenue generator in Major League Baseball, especially with, uh, you know, the price hikes and, and the tickets and everything that's been done at Wrigley. That was all done, as I recall, uh, to, quote-unquote, uh, ensure that year in, year out, we can contend for World Series championships. Well, that's not happening this year. And, and that's a bad division. They, they should stay. Here's what's going to be great, guys. You're going to be get to, getting to a trade deadline. And you know Ricketts uh, and Hoyer, although I think I like Hoyer, and I, I think he, he's going to unfortunately be a puppet for Ricketts. Ricketts is, one, is going to want to have a fire sale. But the division is so bad, the Cardinals will have a big lead. But because the rest of the division is bad, the Cubs should have a pretty decent record no matter what's going on, simply because the division stinks. So I wonder how the fans are going to react. It takes me back to my days when the White Sox were only three and a half games out at the All-Star break. And I I coined the phrase, the white flag trade, and it sticks to this day. They decided, Reinsdorf and Ron Schuller, we can't win. We're going we're gonna to trade this picture and this and this. And, and they got a bunch of kids. And, and I called it the white flag trade. And I have a feeling the Cubs are probably going to do the same thing. You, maybe if you're the White Sox, you can get away with that. The Chicago Cubs never uh, can get away with uh, a dump like that. And I'll be curious to see what, what that happens in July. Jay, I'd love your take on a theory that I have, and 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 I've I've not seen this really floated out there too much, but I've I've felt it, uh, 
you know, you, you see uh, there was a, a podcast that Anthony Rizzo and Eddie Vedder were on recently where, Eddie, you know, uh, Anthony was just talking over on and on about, you know, the feeling and, and what happened and how they, they were overcome it in that night in Cleveland in November in 2016. And I've seen other uh, players do the same sort of thing. And my theory is this. What more do these guys have to, to play for? Because this core group of offensive players, these guys are pretty good. The pitching, we can talk about that. But these core group of guys have underperformed. And my theory is what more do they have to play for? A lot of these guys can can write their check in Chicago because of what they did on 2016. Do you think the fire and motivation is still the same? Because we don't hear the guys in Houston talking about when they finally you know broke through a, a year later. Um, and, and there was so much weight on that win in 2016. What do you think? Yeah, the, there's something to that. But, but see, my thinking is once you win that first one, it's up to your manager. It's up to your general manager. It's up to your owner to keep that fire going. It is a major market. I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes the way Chicago sports function, it, it reminds me of sort of a middle market. And, and I've always been down on the media there, including when I was there, for not holding feet to the fire when it comes to ownership. There are a lot of people afraid in that city or they just don't think it's the thing to do or whatever. When you talked about my quote unquote popularity or lack thereof, a lot of that had to do with me sticking out like a sore thumb and and getting after the owners. And nobody else seemed to be doing that in town. I don't know why, but it, the fans certainly do. And I think the media, uh, you know, and the guy I didn't monitor the media after the World Series title. My guess is the media, culpable as well, probably. Hey, finally they won. Let's give them a break. Well that might factor into some of these guys getting a little soft. So I wasn't there. I've lived in, in LA, you know, for 10 years. So I, I haven't been there to observe the media day to day. I think that was a factor. The fans finally being appeased. And uh, yeah, there was certainly a, a, a honeymoon there that maybe shouldn't have existed. You know, had Theo cracked the whip a little. And, and again, I wasn't there, but you know, maybe Theo needed to say, Hey, in Boston, we kept winning. Are you guys going to keep winning? So, you know, now he's gone. And it just, the whole thing fizzled out when it really did not have to fizzle out. You had cornerstones. It was all there. There's money there. The fans are in love with the thing like never before. And it fizzled out. It's kind of sad, really. Jay, I'm curious. You were covering the sports scene in Chicago when the Bulls, of course, won their six championships, when the White Sox won the World Series. I'm, I'm wondering, though, when you rank um, just sports achievements, and I know you weren't there for the Cubs winning it in 2016, but if you had to handicap it, does this does the Cubs championship, in your opinion, maybe trump even the Bears winning the Super Bowl in 85 or the six championships by Jordan? In your opinion, where where would you say it ranks? Man, that's such a hard question. I've heard that before because, as you know, as a baseball town, the town is split, although I still think it's you know, 75 percent Cubs. I don't know. I know the White Sox fans are good mad at me for saying that, but it's true. Yeah. So it's not a true, complete Chicago championship. Certainly when the White Sox win, I don't even think America ever really processed the Chicago White Sox winning in 2006. But certainly it was a global story when the Cubs won finally. I, it's it's the Bears are the universal team in that town. Some a friend of mine back there was telling me, "Oh, they're talking Bears." Day and say, 
you're talking bears today? And and yeah, that, that's the way it is. Well, which quarterback are we going to get? Well, probably none of them. If, if, if you know, the tradition holds true, you're not going to get Russell Wilson or anybody. But it's, it's hard to say. To me, you know, if you ask Michael Wilbon, who grew up there, Michael Wilbon would tell you, of course, it's Jordan and the Bulls. And in my mind, as an all-time sports story on planet Earth, yeah, Jordan and the Bulls. But you have to live in Chicago to understand the sociology of all this. I think Chicagoans used to think of Michael as this rent and icon. Before Michael showed up, and you guys are pretty young, you don't remember this, but the old Chicago Stadium, Bulls would be lucky to you know draw eight, 9,000. Basketball was nothing in Chicago. It was a hockey town. It was a football town. It was a baseball town. Until Jordan showed up, nobody cared about the Bulls. So all of a sudden, whoosh, here, here's this global phenomenon, and everybody's getting into it. But it's not that die-in-the-wool, generational, my dad took me to Wrigley, my dad took me to Soldier Field. It, it's none of that. You didn't have that generational thing when it came to the Bulls. And I think that's what you've got to consider when you're making – these comparisons as you guys are asking me to make, I don't know if there's a correct answer there. Globally, of course, it's Michael and the Bulls. Uh, Cub fans, obviously, it's 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 the Cubs. White Sox fans, because they're so bitter about life, about everything, they'll tell you, oh, it's 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 our it's our championship. It's the biggest. And and to me, the '85 Bears probably, if you're going to take the entirety of Chicago and the Midwest. The 85 Bears would probably trump all of it. It's it's a great question, and I just don't think there's an answer. Every individual out there will have a different answer. You mentioned Mike. We actually had him on uh, two episodes ago for a two-parter. Uh, he was he was great to talk to, and we uh, we actually didn't pose that question to him, Ryan. We got to go back to him for that. But uh, yeah, we might have yeah. to ask him again. That's right. So, so Jay, we were talking a little bit before we got on uh, online uh, about uh, culpability and and just the changing face of 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 maybe even coverage in, in the Chicago market. I follow you online. I know you've been outspoken about uh, the Jared Porter situation. And for our listeners that aren't aware, Jared had a, a very key role for the Cubs uh, uh, in, in the scouting department and then moved on to be the general manager for a short time for the New York Mets before sexting scandals and some other inappropriate activities. But a lot of these things happened on the Cubs' watch, on Theo's watch, what's your take on this? Do you feel like the the, the media has gone soft on that? There should should there be more discussion around this? Uh, it's such a it's such a hot button top topic right now um, as it links to the Me Too movement. Well, let's look at Mickey Calloway in Cleveland. Uh, yeah. The Athletic has done great work yes. on that situation and how evidently the Indians' president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, and the GM Mark Chernoff. Uh, both evidently, they had evidence anyway that they were aware <clears throat> of some of uh, this this pornographic material that Callaway was sending to the wife of a husband who uh, called the team offices to complain about all of this. And Antonetti is on record as saying, I knew nothing about this until I read this story about it. And the athletic comes up with this evidence to the contrary, which is making the Indians look pretty bad. And I don't know if these guys are going to keep their jobs. I don't know if Terry Francona will keep his job. Okay. You've got that going on there. Now, what, where are the Chicago media when it comes to Jared Porter? Very similar situation. Only his situation involved a 
reporter who is no longer in business, a female reporter. He sends her a lewd photo and she informs, and to this day, an unnamed Cubs employee. That means Wrigley Field, somebody there aware of it. She also told, I think, another Major League Baseball player unnamed that reporting by ESPN.com last month. <clears throat> so we have all this swirling in Cleveland. My question to the Tribune, the Sun-Times, to the score, to AM1000, to the Daily Herald, uh, are you investigating the Cubs in 2016-2017 when this was percolating? Is anybody looking into the great Theo Epstein? It's hard for me to believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think somebody's going to ask the question. When Jared Porter was a disciple of Theo, going back to Boston, Theo brought him here with Hoyer. You mean to tell me Hoyer and Epstein knew nothing about this Jared Porter situation? If so, I'm gobsmacked. I'd be shocked. I, at the very least, I think, and, and throw the athletic in there, too. I mean, they're doing this great work in Cleveland. What, what about in Chicago? I mean, don't you have to ask some questions of Ricketts and Hoyer and find Theo wherever he is? I have seen nothing. I've seen nobody deny it. I said, well, the Cubs put out a statement. But I've seen no, I have not seen a word from Epstein on this. I've seen nothing but from Hoyer on this other other than we've got to do better. Yeah, okay. Well, did you know about this? Is anybody asking the question? So yeah, I'm I've been outspoken because I'm I've, I'm having a hard time believing this Cleveland situation is being exposed and and Theo is walking away from this. All he has to do is explain himself, and maybe he didn't know, and that's okay. Then go run, be the commissioner of baseball in five years. But until then, in my mind, there's a little cloud over Wrigley Field because nobody has really explained what that whole thing was about. You can find Jay on Twitter at Mariotti Sports, so be sure to check him out there, um, or you can certainly find him on social media. Jay, I'm curious. I, I, I'll just throw it out there. I'll, I'm, I'm curious what your answer is. Um, obviously, you wrote a lot of pieces for the Times, a lot of editorials, and there were times that you know you you obviously made people upset, but that was what you were trying to do as well, to make people think, to make people obviously get out of their comfort zone. But I'm also curious if there was ever a column that you wrote over your time in Chicago that maybe you look back on and you say, you know, looking back on it, maybe I, I was too harsh or maybe I should have wrote it differently. Was that ever anything that crossed your mind or is that something you have always just felt? No. Nope. Every story I did, I felt 100% good about, even as I look back on it today. I don't think you're the first one to ask me. I think Tom Waddle once asked me that. And I, no. I, again, I view sports as a multi-billion dollar industry. It's soon going to be a multi-trillion dollar industry at this rate. And I always viewed Chicago sports as such. These are corporations in a major market where fans are so deeply invested in these teams, you should want your columnists to and your talk show hosts to pound away at ownership. Remember, I, I was fortunate. I got to see those six Bulls titles. I also got to see all the dissension involved in that, that period of time. It, it kind of ruined the whole thing as the last dance, I think, so accurately portrayed. It wasn't just the glory and joy of, of six championships. It was all the, the dissension behind the scenes. And it wasn't the easiest thing to cover, although it was 
I'm sure to my dying day, it'll be the, the best story I've ever covered. But guys, I, I went through years of watching bad Bears teams and bad Cubs teams and uh, irrelevant White Sox teams and you know Blackhawks teams owned by the late Bill Wirtz at the time. And, and I went through periods of time when the, the, the Chicago sports was, was crap. And it wasn't easy. It got to be the same old story over and over and over. I got tired of writing it. Sure, people are tired of reading it. But if you want me to be a good columnist, I'm going to go after your owners if I think they're being cheap, uh, they don't care enough about the fans, and if they're not acting like third market type owners. And and that's why Reinsdorf and I were always at war, because he wanted to control uh, the media, I wouldn't let him control me. Try to get me fired every other day. Uh, you know, it just—it was—it it was just the way it was. The Cubs. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I didn't—I don't really remember having any problems with the Cubs or the Bears. Or they, it was only the White Sox. And uh, I don't know. I to answer your question, I don't—I don't regret a thing. I do think though <clears throat> that it's—it's it's a market where a lot of the people in the media are from Chicago. And I wasn't, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I had worked in Denver. I worked in New York. I mean, I came from somewhere else and that's not the easiest thing. And, you know, I'm not the only one. Skip Bayless came from somewhere else. And I'm sure people look at who's this Skip Bayless guy. He's not from here. It's tough when you're walking into Chicago and you have written in other towns and you're coming in, it's a parochial city and people expect their people to do the sports writing. And so I had that to overcome as well. It was like, well, who are you? What high school did you go to? Well, I'm not around here. And uh, that, that it's that kind of a place. It's where did you go to high school? What side of town are you from? What suburb are you from? And here I come. And it, no, it, it was not easy. And yet I felt you have to be honest with people. And uh, when I arrived in the 90s, my God, you talk about a cornucopia of subject material. It was great. It was heavenly. Every day there's a national story going on right there in Chicago. Uh, see, now you guys are hitting, other than the White Sox, you're kind of hitting this, you're in the middle of this period where there's not a lot going on. And that should never happen in Chicago, Illinois. Where I live, L.A., there's always some big sports story going on. Same with New York, even though their teams are up and down, mostly down. But what's going on, the blah situation right now in Chicago should never happen. It should never be blah. Too many people care about sports in that town. Appreciate that perspective. And, and you know, we talked about having Mike Wilbon on. Uh, uh, Mark Silverman's a, a big uh, big uh, uh, a friend of the show. We've had him on multiple times. And, but both of them are unapologetic Cubs fans. I pose the question to you. Obviously, you're not from here. I'm not asking you to be a fan of, of, of Chicago sports. Are you a fan of sports? Do you do you enjoy it, or do you have you lived in? When was the last time you lived and died with the team? What is it like? Because I know you talked before about just the I corporate aspect. You really haven't. I don't think I ever have. I'm a journalist, and I I don't think in Chicago they want their sports columnist to be a journalist. They'd rather be a fan. Sylvie, and I'm glad he's doing great, and I, I wish him Godspeed. Uh, Sylvie and I once did a show together and had huge ratings because total opposites. Me and him. Yeah. And and we like we disagree about pizza. We disagree <laughs> about everything. And then one day he'd say, you know, why aren't you a fan? Just what you said to me. And I'd say, because I'm a journalist. And phew, the ratings. I doubt that station's even had a, a, a show rated that high since then. And and then, you know, then then it was, it was a fiasco involving Reinsdorf, which is why I didn't wasn't doing the show anymore. 
point being that I think if if I'm a you know media boss in Chicago, I'm looking for somebody like Sovi, and I'm looking for somebody like me, and I'm pairing them together, not two guys, Cub fan, Sox fan, or or not that no no no. You need somebody who takes it seriously from a business and consumer perspective, but also enjoys sports. That's me. And then a true diehard fan like Sovi. And I think that's your your best show. And it's sad that both of those stations, those ratings are rock bottom. They should, again, should never be that. Too many people care in a market of 9 million people. Too many people care about sports for the ratings of sports radio to be as low as they are. So I, I'm not trying to, you know, but you know, be overly critical of media. There, I'm just telling you what I see, and it, I've always felt like the media did not rise to the level of the market size. There, now you have this Gene Greco fiasco. He's gone. Who they're going to replace him with somebody, you know, ten times cheaper? I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's just Chicago. Sometimes never feels like Mike Royko, Tim Weigel, and these are names you guys probably don't remember, but Chicago used to be the national media town. Lester Holt came out of Chicago. It, it, you know, I could go right down the line. Brent Musburger came out of Chicago. That just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, the Gumbles. There's another group of uh, people. The Gumbles. There, Michael, yeah. Michael Wilbon, who never actually worked there, but Wilbon. Yeah, I could go on and on. People out of Northwestern. It's just I, I, I expect more out of the media there. That's all. Jay, obviously, so to catch people up on everything uh, that has been going on with you over the past 10 years, so just so we can catch up with everybody, uh, you know, it, it was like you were on ESPN, you were, you know, writing for the Sun-Times, you were doing radio shows, and now I feel like the last 10 years, you've you've kind of been hanging out in L.A. I'd love for our listeners to know what Jay Mariotti has been doing, because, I mean, from somebody who is, you know, been um, so out there with doing as much media as you have and now you're kind of just relaxing maybe a little bit We'd, i'd love to know what jay mariotti has been up to and and when can we expect to maybe see you again doing all the things that you used to be doing well 2008 i just signed another deal with the sun times but there was a caveat guys if we don't improve our digital presence we're going to die as a newspaper so i'll sign this deal and I'm going to go over to Beijing and cover the Olympics. And hopefully we get kind of get moving on this because we're going to get buried. Uh, nothing. Michael Phelps would break a record. It takes six hours to post it. And me and another Greg Couch were over there like, what are we even doing at this newspaper? They don't care. Why are we even in China? What What is going on? Came back, politely resigned. All hell broke loose. Roger Ebert, you know, rips the hell out of me. I'm like, wait a minute. This is insane. Um, this is my life, and if I don't want to work for a paper that has no future because it doesn't understand that digital is going to become king over the next decade, now I don't want to work here. A lot of backlash, guys, in the industry. It was sort of like I was leaking the secret, and what well, you know, yeah, there was, you know, it was uh, merciless. I mean, uh, every day on the internet, there's some other lie told about me, and you know, a lot of that was, was discouraging to me because it, it's I'm just speaking the truth, and, and now what? 10, 11 years later, was I wrong? Of course, I was right. Both of those papers in Chicago did not adapt to the digital age. And they're both you know, in danger of dying in the next few years. So anyway, uh, there was all that. I went to a site, AOL.com. 
I was working out well, I was doing around the horn, was involved in a legal case that in, in, since then, you know, we won the civil case and it has never been reported. And it has all, you know, been expunged many years ago. That was never reported. And there's a lot out there that I realized, wow, the media is as evil as maybe a lot of people think it is, because in my case, they seem to be uh, reporting or not reporting on me based on their feelings about me more than the reality and the facts of a legal situation. And a lot of that soured me. I got, I got really, especially as people in Chicago, they took such a, a, you know, guys, give me a call or I'll refer you to my lawyer and here's what went down and we'll show you documents. No, we like seeing Jay in this situation. Well, guys, that's unprofessional and that's uh, pretty crappy. And, you know, there were, I just decided you started in this business when you were in college and you were fortunate enough to uh, get a job right out of college in Detroit. And I was fortunate enough to be a columnist. I was 25 in Cincinnati and I was in Chicago and I'm 31 and you're on ESPN, a big TV show. And always, I think it, I just burned out. I said, enough. This business is insane. And I, I can't, if they're not even going to call me and see what happened in a legal case in the end and how the story was completed. There's why would I want to like jump back into this racket? In the meantime, over the last decade, you've seen how the business has changed dramatically uh, to the point where there are a lot of reckless websites and people just running what they want. There's not a lot of professionalism. I kind of sat back and watched the wheels go round. And, I, you know, I, I, I don't know when I'm going to get back in. I don't know if they, they want me back in. Because if you look at sites, they, they pretty much if you're not, quote unquote, working favorably for a league or a franchise, they really going to well, what's happening to sports columnists. There aren't that many out there. Paul Sullivan's a nice writer. Paul Sullivan's not a sports columnist. He's I need opinions. I need I need strong stuff. And I think papers hanging on don't want to hire those kinds of columnists. And I think in general talk shows, uh, they, they, they want guys who are rooting for the teams and not being critical. I think everything has changed in this industry. I don't know if I'll ever get back in it. I don't know if they want me back in it. But what I'm doing now is I write for uh, Jason Barrett, who's a longtime uh, industry uh, uh, guy, radio guy. And he's got a pretty popular site. It's an industry site, but it allows me to voice some of the things I'm voicing with you right here. I'm a media critic once a week, and he runs my columns on sports the rest of the week. So that's fine for me now. I, You know, I had... 35 years that felt like 60 of just running around in airports, running around the world, TV shows, radio shows. I, I think I just decided chill. And if you get back in it and somebody wants you badly enough, do it. If not, you've had a great career. I, I really have uh, uh, no regrets about anything and uh, life's good. Jay, would you say that do you feel like you've been blackballed and, and you're not getting those opportunities or do you feel like you're mold? doesn't fit the market anymore? Uh, both. I think long before there was a court case, there were a lot of people trying to blackball me. Let's let's make that clear. And one of them you know, owns two teams in Chicago. And uh, just ask around. I mean, it's, it's it, that's what disappointed me about the Sun-Times. There were feeling, a lot of times I thought, Jesus, they are in bed with Jerry. 
And I I went on the score one day with Molly and uh, Hanley and said so. <laughs> and and, and I, my bosses didn't like it, but they didn't fire me because I think there was some truth to it. They're trying to hang on. They need influence and power and money. Yeah, we like being in bed with Jerry Reinsdorf. So a lot of that was going on in Chicago even back then. And I'm trying to battle through it every day and just trying to get good pieces in the paper wondering if there will be political ramifications. So is there a black ball? Yeah, but it's not about a legal case. It's about, it's about we don't want a, a free-thinking, opinionated guy coming after ownership. They, he can go after the manager for a bad sixth-inning switch, but uh, don't ever touch the owner. And see, guys, you, you look around the country. I mean, even Stephen A., Skip Bayless, these guys aren't. You're not seeing them go after Jerry Jones. You're, you're seeing them go after, you know, should this team sign Russell Wilson? Those aren't, those aren't cut to the bone kind of conversations, but that's what I do. And that's what I continue to do. I'm not going to change. So great question. I have a feeling some people out there would love to hire me, but maybe way up on a high, there would be somebody who hears from an owner and says, don't you dare hire him. So probably not. It's probably over. And once again, our thanks to Jay Mariotti. You can find Jay on Twitter at Mariotti Sports. So be sure to check him out there. Be sure to check myself and Chad out on Twitter as well. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. And also check us out on our Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Headquarters. We always love to interact with you and hear what you have to say about how we can get some new guests or topics, whatever the case may be, we'd love to hear from you. And also, be sure to subscribe to our new website, www.theconfines.com. You can find our podcast there. And if you sign up with your email, we'll let you know when a new episode is out so you don't have to go searching for it. It'll come directly to you. So that is the confines. Dot com. Be sure to check it out if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast as well. That is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Our thanks to Jay Mariotti. Join us next week for another special edition episode. For Chad, I'm Ryan. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time, and we'll see you at the ballpark. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into Wrigley